Welcome to the Collecting Confidence Podcast, where we'll explore confidence, what it is, why we need it, how we get it, and how we lose it. I'm John Barry. Hello and welcome to Collecting Confidence. My name is John Barrett and today we're going to be joined by Rich Gannon, football legend and sports broadcaster. And as I was doing the research for this, I got to thinking that a quarterback seems so very confident, probably right up until a couple of 300-pound guys barrel through the line and start moving towards them. And a lot of times we think other people are confident and they might not be anywhere near as confident as we think. And so Sure, a quarterback gets out there and is confident until the blitz comes. But I know that when I had my own very, very short-lived football career, my dad was very confident. He saw me run back the football on a kickoff, for example, and I was really good at dodging and weaving. This is fourth, fifth, sixth grade. Really good at dodging and weaving, and he thought I was going to be this football superstar, and mostly I was running out of fear because I was afraid I was going to get tackled. And so he probably thought I was this very confident runner. He thought I was going to go on to be a college football player and have this wonderful career. But it turns out I really wasn't that good at football. And the other thing was that my birthday was in August. And so September 1st was when you could be in a class and anybody up through August could be in that class, but the youngest people in that class were going to be the people born in August. And so I was still at the end of my sophomore year in high school, still 99 pounds. And there were a couple of 200, 250 pound guys playing football in high school. So I would have gotten killed. 99 pounds is just not enough to play football at that level. So I got into gymnastics and my dad was very sad because, or at least that's what I understood was he was very sad about the fact that I wasn't going to finish my football career. But as far as I could tell, my football career was finished because I was only 99 pounds and I would have gotten killed. So I got into gymnastics and instead of having a college football player like he hoped, he ended up with a college foot, uh, college cheerleader. Not quite the same. It wasn't a bad idea for me. It was where I needed to be. It was going with my strength rather than being someone that I couldn't be. That wasn't in the cards for me. And so sometimes You have to go with where you've got skills and you have to avoid the things that put you up against the odds. There's no sense doing things the hard way. If you're going to be doing something, make sure that it's something that you're good at because there's enough things out there that we're not good at. Find something that you're good at and you'll get confidence because you'll excel at it. If you keep trying to do things you're not good at, like I like being a jack of all trades. I like learning new things, but that constantly puts me in a position where I'm brand new at something and I'm just trying to learn it and I don't quite understand it. I'm okay with that, but I really do enjoy when I get into a position where I'm doing something that I know and it's something that I'm good at because then I get this great feeling, a very confident feeling because I'm doing it well. So as we're going through and trying to find things to be confident about, find things that are your strength and lean towards that. And we're going to be talking to Rich Gannon about that and a bunch of other stuff, so stick around. Joining me now is football legend and sports commentator, Rich Gannon. Thank you, Rich, for being here. It's great to be with you, brother. I'm really looking forward to spending the next part of an hour just talking to you and and talking a little bit about our backgrounds and and 
how important training and preparation is to competing and, and really in doing anything that you really want to be successful at. Excellent. And the, the very first question I have to ask is what does confidence mean to you? Well, you know, it's, it's, I think it's maybe hard to, to, to define it. I think obviously when I think of confidence, I think of the preparation that goes in, right? Regardless of what you're doing, but it, I, we talk about the five P's, the proper preparation prevents poor performance. And I just think that when I've had, when I've been the most confident at anything, whether it was playing professional football, whether it's going out, hitting a golf ball, whether it was giving a talk, if you'd done the work, you prepared, you studied, uh, you studied the opponent or, you know, whatever it, it takes to get yourself mentally, physically, and even spiritually prepared to go out and do something to the best of your ability. I think it really boils down to preparation. And that's a big part of it. You know, when you're doing something in a team setting, right? confidence is a lot about trust like it's important for me if you and i are on the same team to i need to trust you i need to trust you're gonna do the right thing i need to trust you're gonna have my back i need to trust that you're gonna be in the right place when i go to throw you the football i'm looking for reliability these are a lot of the qualities that i think about when i think about confidence because i know when you're the most confident you're not really thinking about confidence like you're not thinking about can i do this should i do this what i have to do to do this you know, I was once playing with a PGA professional and I was asking him, what are the one or two swing thoughts? What are the best swing thoughts to have before you hit a golf ball? And he said, the best swing thought is no swing thought. In other words, when you're really in the zone, when you're really dialed in and focused in, there's not a lot going through your mind. It's to see it, pull the trigger and react. And I know when I've had my best experiences, when it comes to being the most confident, I wasn't really thinking a lot. I was just reacting to what I was seeing. So I think a lot of the confidence comes from doing it over and over again. You know, uh, Curly, I was a, uh, I went to a Jesuit high school in Philadelphia. I had four years of Latin and I don't remember a lot of Latin, but I do remember this repetition est mater studiorum. Repetition is the mother of learning. So the more you do something over and over and over again, the, the better you're going to get at it. I always tell the story about Michael Jordan shooting a thousand free throws uh, every day in the summertime when he was in high school or Tiger Woods hitting a thousand balls on the range. Repetition, doing something to the point where you become very com comfortable and confident. And to me, it was a lot about reps. I think that's when we're most confident. When we've done the work, we've done the study, we've done the preparation, and now it's time to cut it loose and really let it fly. And I think that's really, when I think about confidence, from my perspective, that's really been my experience. Well, I've heard it said that you practice, some people practice until they get it right, but the good people practice till they can't get it wrong. And I remember seeing a story about Michael Jordan doing a commercial where he was supposed to miss the basket and then have a McDonald's breakfast and suddenly he could hit the basket. And they said, okay, now go ahead and miss. And he couldn't because he was so, the motor memory or the muscle memory was so ingrained that he couldn't miss. And I think he finally had to tuck some fingers under the ball to shoot differently than he normally did because he couldn't, he just couldn't miss. He had gotten so good at hitting it. So that is interesting. I want to go back to, you talked about being in school and your, your early life at St. Joe's, you were in three different sports and I don't know how confident you were at that time, but you were in, if I remember correctly, it's basketball crew and football. Correct. And at some point you decided to go football and forget the other two. Is that correct? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I did all three through high school. And then, you know, I was obviously when I was going to go to college, it would have been really impossible to do all those sports. I wasn't really good enough at those other two sports. I was pretty good at football. And so, you know, I think you, as you begin to get further in your career, you kind of have to specialize and kind of zero in. You can't, you know, a lot of Bo Jacksons out, out, out there in this world that are really good at two sports at the professional level. So, you know, when I went to college, I wanted to get a great education. I wanted to be a good student athlete. And in the back of my mind, I felt there was an outside chance for me to go to the next level, be a professional athlete. I like to give it a shot. And I certainly, I tried that and it actually turned out okay. If I read correctly in the research, it said that you started in college as a punter. That's not entirely true. I did, <laughs> I did, I did punt in college. I was also a quarterback and, and that was my primary position. But the interesting thing was I came out of the college in, in 1987 and I was got invited to the NFL scouting combine in, in Indianapolis. And I worked out there as a quarterback and I got drafted a couple months later and I got drafted by the New England Patriots. And I'll never forget the call. I got a call on the night of the draft from the Patriots brass. And they said, Hey, congratulations. We're real excited to have you be a Patriot. We just want to find the best position for you. They drafted me with the primary purpose of not allowing me to play quarterback, but, but playing on defense. Hmm. And I just remember the, that uh, feeling that I had of just disappointment. And I remember calling my mom and dad, it was supposed to be like the happiest day of my life. It was obviously very disappointing disappointing and I called him the next day and I said you know what I think you guys made a mistake I'm not coming I'm gonna go to law school I just felt like you know I played quarterback I believed in my heart that I could be a quarterback and when someone wasn't going to give me that opportunity I felt I was going to be a it'd be a long shot for me to make the team playing a different position that I hadn't really trained for or I've been coached at and so I just stuck to my guns and six days after the draft, the Patriots traded me to the Vikings. And that's really where my career got started. In college, you set 23 school records as a quarterback. So I would be confident that your position should be quarterback. There's a lot of confidence when a team drafts you, right? And you believe as a 21-year-old that, you know what, you made a mistake. And I'm not coming to your training camp, I'm not coming to your mini camp. I'm going to go to law school. And, you know, in my heart of hearts, I really wanted to play in the NFL. But I was confident enough in my abilities. I was confident enough in the work that I put in. Uh, I had a belief system. And I think that's really important. We talk about confidence. I think there's an internal belief system. I tell young people all the time, if you don't believe in yourself, who will? And th that's really where it has to start. You have to believe that you can do it. You have to believe that you have the tools, the power, and, and you're equipped to be able to go out there and, and perform. So I had that inner belief, that confidence from a very young age. I think that's really important. I mean, a belief in oneself, a belief in your abilities. I've been around a lot of professional athletes, a lot of great players, a lot of Hall of Famers. I've been around a lot of successful business people. And most of them are the best ones that I've been around have that inner confidence, that belief in themselves. They don't have to be told. They don't have to be pat on the back and say, hey, you're doing a good job. They know when they're doing a good job. In fact, I think they prefer constructive feedback. They want to be coached. I think all great players want to be coached. I don't need to be told when I'm doing the right things or your footwork looks good or that was a good throw. I, I, I can see that. I understand that. I certainly appreciate the compliment. But I think the great ones want to be coached and and wanted to be want to be pushed and wanted to get to 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 that you know that ultimate level of being the very best at what you do and so 
that's I think that inner belief system as it relates to confidence is so important. In 87, then you started off with the Vikings at the Metrodome. Yes. And and actually I also started in 87 with the Vikings, but as a cheerleader. And so I was cheering you on. I actually remember you because I remember wondering what it's like to suddenly be in the big mix with everybody. What was your confidence like when you were starting off with the pros? You know, I was confident, but I think you get humbled pretty quick because I was a fourth round draft pick and I came into training camp and I was third on the depth chart behind two veteran players. One was, I think, in his 13th season. The other one was like in his seventh or eighth season. And so, you know, I knew it'd be an uphill battle to get on the field and I didn't play a lot early on. And when you're used to being a star player and you're used to playing all the time and being a starter and all of a sudden you're sitting on the bench, that's an, uh, an unusual and uncomfortable feeling that nobody wants to, you know, everybody wants to play. Everybody thinks they're good enough to play. So I, I had to go through some growing pains. I had to, you know, learn my craft. I had to get better. I, you know, I, I think I had to get bigger, stronger physically. And I think even more importantly, I think the biggest separation for me wasn't the physical separation. It was the mental a part of it. There was a lot, when I was in college, it was a very simple, very basic uh, foundation of football. The playbook wasn't very thick and uh, it was a very different style of offense. When I came to the Vikings, I had to learn protections and coverages and fronts and pressures and, you know, the terminology and the verbiage. There's a lot of new learning uh, for, for a young player. And so that takes time. And like we talked about, you know, the reps, right? So, you know, I just say repetition is the mother of learning. And so like, I wasn't getting a lot of reps. I was the third guy on the depth chart. The starters, the starter was getting, you know, 90% of the reps. The backup was getting 10% of the reps and I wasn't getting any reps. So it's hard to get better when you're not, you know, getting, getting in the batter's box and getting some swings, you know, you're not at the free throw line shooting free throws. It's hard to stand there on the sidelines with a clipboard and really get better at your craft. So that was frustrating. There's no question about it. Was there for you an aha moment when you said, I got this, I can do this? Yeah, I think physically early on, like even my first training camp and I think in the first preseason games playing against other professional athletes and, and that level of competition, you know, playing against older players. I mean, I'm just talking about being a sophomore in college and playing against a senior. I'm talking about being 21 years old and playing against a 35-year-old linebacker. I mean, you know, I'll never forget walking to the huddle my first time I was, you know, I, I Walked, walked in the huddle and one guy's got a beard, one guy's got a mustache, one guy's got three kids. I thought to myself, I'm 21 years old. I just got out of college. I mean, this is this is weird. Everyone was older than me. So I think you have to, I think you have to be able to establish yourself. You earn respect in the National Football League, not by words, but by actions, by the way you work, the way you prepare, the way you study, the, how hard you play. Uh, how consistent you are, how reliable and dependable and consistent you are at the quarterback position is really important. So, yeah, there's definitely a process. But I knew early on that I could do it. I just knew that I just needed the opportunity. And in addition to all of the awards and records that you set in college, you also have a long list of things that you did in the NFL, including uh, MVP for the league. Are there things that you, you know, wish you had or things that you want to have in your life that you set goals for? Yeah, I, I think goals are really important. I, I learned a long time ago, if you have goals, write them down. Like if you just say, I want to, you know, I want to do something. But when you write it down and you revisit that, right? So if there's a goal that you want to accomplish and you constantly refer back to it, you know what I mean? You, you don't lose sight of the goal, right? And, and the work that it takes to achieve that goal. For me, most of the goals that I had were team goals. 
So I wanted to be on a championship team. I wanted to win a world championship. Uh, I wanted to be playing in meaningful games uh, in December and January, playing in playoff games. I wanted to do everything I could as a quarterback each and every week to put my team in a position to have a chance to win. And that was really important to me. Now, did I have individual goals? Sure. At the quarterback position, you know, we want to complete 70% or, or better of our passes. That's a lofty goal. You know, we want to, we want to throw three times as many touchdowns as interceptions. Um, you know, we don't want to have any turnovers in the red zone or, you know, those type of individual goals as you look at it during the course of the season. But uh, what superseded that was the team goals. And to answer your question, the ultimate goal in in our profession is to be world champions. And unfortunately, we played in Super Bowl 37 and we came up uh, on the short side of, of the stick. But you know, it was a. It took me a long time to get there, and uh, I certainly relish and, and cherish that that uh, the, the the journey. But you know, like I said, looking back, if there's a regret, it's that you know when I was with this team behind me, the Raiders, we we uh, we weren't able to uh, ultimately hoist that Lombardi Trophy. Well, and one of the things too, when I look at the stats, there there are a lot of stats that they cover in football, and as I'm looking through. One of the things that my my kids are doing fantasy football and they really look at the uh, all time passer rating and you're up in the top 25 for all time passer rating above a lot of people that like Fran Tarkington and Johnny Unitas and Bart Starr and people that I grew up watching. And it's very impressive. But the comparing yourself to other people can often be a real setback. Is that something that you don't worry about other people or you compare yourself to other people all the time. How, what would you say? You know, I think it's a great question. And I, I, I never was about comparing myself to others. I think you talked about, you know, confidence, right. And in being self-confident, like, you know, you gotta be able to look at that, that man, the person in the mirror and you gotta like what you see. And, you know, you've got to feel that, you know, every day I wake up, I just try and I had great examples, I had great role models. I had two unbelievable parents that loved and cared for me in so many great schools. And, you know, help me um, in terms of being a leader and 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 being a person of character and integrity and and uh, you know trying to make good decisions. But you know, at the end of the day, like to compare yourself to somebody else, you, you know, you haven't walked in that person's shoes. I think it's most important to focus on not necessarily focus on yourself, but like what can I do to to make myself the best, the, the very best that I can be, and 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 not just in the sport you compete in or you know the profession that you work in, but like. You know, when I look at my legacy uh, as a person, what I really want to focus on and what I want to be remembered for is not that I was a great football player. What type of parent was I? What type of husband was I? What type of brother was I? What type of son was I? What type of friend was I? You know, that to me is is your legacy. And that's really what I focus on. So I do focus on what, you know, what can I do to to be the very best version of myself? I don't say, well... You know, I'm a I'm a better dad than the guy two doors down. You know, what I mean that, and I don't, I don't, or I'm I'm a better quarterback than him. Like, you know, is that really how I want to judge myself? Or am, I am the best quarterback for this team that I happen to play on. Like that. Let's focus on on what's most important and focus on the team, and not worry about what goes on outside. Uh, you know, our organization. So, for me, it was always about just trying to focus on being the very best that I could possibly be each and every day. As long as you've been behind the NFL front line, you've also been behind a microphone for as long or longer. Tell me about that switch, that transition from being down on the field to being up in the booth and talking about 
it wasn't easy. You know, there's, there wasn't a lot of training when I retired from the NFL in 2004, I had the good fortune of being asked to come on board and, and for CBS sports and call the NFL games. And in my first season, I wasn't very good. I didn't understand the pacing and the timing of television. I wasn't really comfortable in front of the camera. You know, I wasn't great on the telestrator. The game was moving really fast. And, you know, it's it just like we just talked about earlier. It takes reps like to get good at something you haven't done. You're not trained in doing. You don't have a history of doing. You need to do it over and over again. You need to get reps. And unfortunately, a lot of people are at, the, at the network level, you're not going to get a lot of reps unless you're good. So I wasn't very good in the beginning. I started to get a little bit better as the season went along. Thank goodness CBS was patient with me. And brought me back for another year. And I was fortunate to, to do to call the NFL games for 18 years. I still do some stuff with CBS Sports. No longer on the road every weekend. Still do NFL radio. But, you know, it was a great experience. I got a chance to work with, you know, Hall of Fame broadcasters, Dick Enberg and Don Cricky and Marv Albert and Kevin Harlan and Ian Eagle and Greg Gumbel. I could go on and on. I worked with so many wonderful partners in that broadcast booth. But uh, I approached it the same way, though. The preparation was really important to me. I, you know, we we only call one game each week, and the whole week leading up to it, there's a lot of preparation involved, a lot of study, you know, and, and just getting better at your craft. And, and going back, the other thing that's really important, you know, when we played a game in the NFL, we'd go back after the game on Monday, and we'd watch the game in its entirety, and we'd make corrections. The coaches would, would correct you on footwork and decision-making. you get graded for every play. And I always made it a habit to go back and watch the broadcast on CBS after the game by myself and say, you know, I could have jumped in there a little bit earlier. I could have made a point here. Maybe it was different. Or I could have wrapped that thing up a little bit tighter. I, maybe this wasn't the, the best strategy. You could have, you know, so that's, you know, the, you have to be able to critique your work. You have to be honest when you when you look at your body of work. And, and sometimes it doesn't hurt to get some feedback from, from somebody else as well. In football, of course, you have a coach, but when you're going off and being the commentator, do you have a mentor, a coach, someone that's helping you? In the beginning, there wasn't anybody. There was a, the one of the VPs at CBS Sports, uh, a guy named Tony Petiti, who's actually the Big Ten commissioner right now. Uh, he he was very helpful. He would call me every couple of weeks and say, hey, I watched some of your game, and here's a couple of things you should try, or, hey, you know, here's a guy you should look at. And and of course, the producers were really good. These were experienced TV people in the trucks, and, and they gave you good feedback. Even sometimes the play-by-play, um, your play-by-play partner, some you know these these are the ones that are professionally trained. These they went to college for this. You know, they've been calling basketball and football and, and all these big sporting events, and so they would be helpful as well. So now they've got they've got coaches for that. Each of the networks have people that quality control people that help the young broadcasters. But when I started, it was a lot different. If you could go back to you at, at the start on that first broadcast, what would you tell yourself to help you get through that? Well, I would I would say be more aggressive, jump in. You know, I would say rely less on your notes and what you see on the field. Don't be afraid to get out in front of in front of something. You know, talk strategy. Uh, put yourself out there and say, hey, you know, I, I can remember as a young player struggling a little bit, or you know, I, I think people want to hear relatable stories. People want to hear what your experience was like, you know, not that you'd spend the whole broadcast talking about yourself, but there's times to, to interject and, and share an experience that uh, may be funny or um, informative. But uh, yeah, I, I think, you know, like I said, if we could go back and do it. Like I said, hindsight's 2020. If we could go back and do it all over again, I think we maybe would do some things differently, make some different decisions, but I do know this and I'm proud of this. I never, never stepped on the football field in my 17 seasons or in almost two decades in the broadcast booth, unprepared. 
Like I always felt like I did the best I possibly could. Like I, I put my, I put the work in during the week to go out there and to, to play well or to you know have a good broadcast. It may not have always turned out that way. The results might not have been on the scoreboard, us victorious all the time, but it wasn't for a lack of effort. And I put my head down on my pillow at night and I can sleep well knowing that, you know what, we didn't win them all, but like I did the very best that I could and I prepared myself to have success. It doesn't always happen. We can't always control the outcome, but what we can control is the preparation. We can control you know, feeling confident because we've done the work, right? We've done the practice. We put the reps in. We did the off-season work. We trained. I, th- I think when you put all that together, it helps you to go in there in a, in a, in a good mindset, feeling pretty pretty confident. And as, as tough as it is to play in the NFL and as prepared as you were, was there anything that prepared you for the toughest job, which is that of being a dad? I suppose if you look back on it, I mean, I think, you know, the experiences that I had as a, as a child growing up in, in Philadelphia with my mom and dad, I think certainly um, you learned a lot of, a lot of good things. You also learn, you know, some things maybe that, you know, you do differently, you know, our parents aren't perfect. I'm not a perfect dad or, you know, my wife and Shelly and I are not perfect parents. We try our very best. We're proud of the kids we raised. I think you just try and do your very best. You know, I did, did a lot of research, read books counseling, you know, just to try and find a way to be, you know, a good communicator, a good listener. I think the best um, advice I ever got, we, we were, we had two daughters. So they said, you, you want to raise confident, strong women, right? Like that, that can make good decisions that are strong and confident. And what you, what you need to do is they're going to be watched. They watch you and they watch how you talk to your wife. They watch how you treat your wife. And I tried to set a good example, right? Because a lot of times our kids are, are going to, particularly girls, they're going to marry someone like their dad. A lot of them do anyway. And I want to make sure I set a, a good example. I was a good role model for how to treat um, a woman and and how to be a good listener and how to be a good husband and how to be a good friend and how to say I'm sorry when I make a mistake and and those type of things. So, you know, I'm I'm proud of of my wife. I think I've got a great wife. Yeah, I learned a lot of lessons from her too about how to be a good parent, but we did it together. And I think that's really important. That's what I'm most proud of. We we were a team. Like we we worked together to try and do the very best we could to raise those kids. And I'm proud of both of them. I got one who's a doctor. I got one who's works in finance in New York City. They're both great kids. And uh, I don't take any credit for it. Very impressive family. Well, and if people wanted to hear more about you, more from you, you're on radio now? Yeah, so I I still do some stuff with CBS Sports Network. Uh, but really where you can catch me is Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, Friday from uh, uh, from 12 to 3 Eastern Standard Time. I do a, a show on NFL Radio Channel 88. It's called the Sirius XM NFL Blitz, uh, which is myself and Bruce Murray. It's predominantly a football talk, but... Uh, we do get into some other things every once in a while, but that's really where most people can can find me during the NFL season on Sirius XM NFL radio. All right. And before we go, do you have a final tip that you could give the audience to help them to gain or maintain their confidence? Yeah, I would just say, just to reiterate, I, I think a belief in yourself, and I think the belief comes from doing it, right? And I think from putting in the the hard work and, and the effort and having a passion. I think, I think that's the other thing I maybe didn't, but I, like I'll tell people, don't worry about like kids that graduate from college. They say they want to get into the, 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 you know, they want to get into their careers and stuff. I said, don't, don't worry about like the money and like where 
find something you love to do. Like I, I started playing organized football when I was in second grade. Here, I'm, I'll be 58 this year. I'm still involved with the NFL. And I tell people I've never worked a day in my life because if, if you're doing what you love, it's not work, right? So I think you have to be passionate about, find something you're passionate about, you know, outwork the competition, just be, you know, be dedicated to your craft, be curious, ask questions, put the effort in to be, you know, the very best that you can be and, and feel good about it. And, and don't be, don't be results oriented, trust the process. And I was, you know, we talked earlier about proper preparation prevents poor performance. Just trust the process, do the little things it takes to be successful and I think, you know, you'll always, you'll always be a winner with that mindset, but, but, but never, never give up on yourself. Like it's, it breaks my heart when I see people who lack confidence, people who uh, don't believe in themselves. And as I, I tell them when they're young, I said, like, if you don't believe in yourself, nobody will. It's got to start with that inner belief that I can do anything. I can do anything. I've been, I've been blessed. God's given me this unbelievable opportunity. Uh, I can, I can get it done. Well, thank you very much for spending the time with us today. Thanks, brother. All right, we'll see you later. Today's tip of the day is that preparation is a great way to gain confidence. Thank you for listening to this episode. You can get more information about confidence and check out the merchandise store on the website at collectingconfidence.com. If you like what you heard, subscribe and pass the link along to a friend who needs to collect confidence. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please leave a review. It's one of the only ways to know if I'm doing a good job. Another way to let me know is to go to the support page. Consider making a small monthly pledge. A pledge as small as the cost of a cup of coffee each month goes a long way to keep the episodes and the information coming your way. The last way to let me know what you think is to drop by our Facebook page or send me an email at john at collectingconfidence.com. I'd love to hear from you, and I'd love to help you. Now let's go collect confidence.